0: This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. Yeah, are back with the New Blue Review. I'm Benji Shulman. Welcome back to it. And as I said during the break, uh, we are going to be talking today, today to a guy who started off, if you can believe, as an accountant and moved into history. And he tells the most uh, engaging South African stories that I have heard in a very long time. So I thought uh, where else would be better to have him than right here on Haifem. Michael Charting, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, you were an accountant. You
1: started into history. What what uh, made you take the leap? Because it's uh, quite different. <laughs> I at university, I, I started to realise that uh, I, I didn't understand South Africa at all. Um, you know, I'd grown up like most of us, believing life is normal. And um, yeah, as my eyes were open to a wider world, um, I came to realise that I had a lot to learn. So uh, while studying accounting on the side I started running writing, writing uh, reading and writing non fiction and um you know by the end of my articles um I felt somewhat frustrated that I didn't have this time to invest in, in in what I was most interested in so while I had to carry on my financial career um I started studying history the year after I finished articles and you know slowly I just I came to realize that you know I wasn't the only one who didn't understand this place and um With that grew this idea that there might be a way or ways to help South Africans to um, engage in their past, to understand their past. um, To your point in the the introduction, in a way which isn't divisive. Um, You know, I think our our story is such a beautifully human story, uh, with all its flaws and genius. Um, And my idea was to try and look for a way to make it accessible to to ordinary South Africans. Yeah, and that, and that really, yeah, that was, that was the basis of the idea. And then, yeah, that's, you add that to one wild leap of faith and, and that was what happened. Now, you, you sort of started off, or at least I think a lot of people who would know your work
0: would know it from some of the YouTube uh, videos that you make. Uh, What is that experience like making these sort of mini documentaries and what has the reaction been to those?
1: <laughs> so what i i wrote um the story which which um which you heard called my father's code um and i finished writing it or the first draft of it anyway in about late 2016. um and then i found myself with this story but um, no one to no one to listen to it um i didn't have a market yet and you know i just spent two years really reading very hard and i'd you know'd stumbled across a few stories as I was researching it, which again, I just, the same idea in principle that I thought they were as little stories, little uh, nuggets, which South Africans would do well to know. Um, yeah, so I just, I, I really had no experience in it and I, I played around a little bit. Um, I produced them, um, all myself. The, you'll find them have got a slightly sort of amateur feel to it. Although, you know, I like the content and the content has gone down well. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's been fun to do. I, I really want to do a lot more of them. But, um, what happened was then I, I've got a bit busier with my, with my speaking. And, um, so I've put it on ice for now. Um, although I have a long list of ideas I'd like to make short stories and short documentaries out of.
0: Now your, your father's coat or my father's coat is, is the, the story that you, that you do, that you talk on. This is your, your big your big speaking gig or at least one of them uh, and you've got quite a unique approach to telling South African history uh, you, you you do it through personalities and what's really interesting is there are personalities who normally we would think of as being disparate but you make a deliberate attempt in your storytelling to connect them all um, it, by my suggestion and to show that actually all South Africans are actually connected uh, it, would that be a correct assumption
1: yeah, I, I wanted the authenticity. So my, most of my story focuses on on the last two hundred years. Um, our story is obviously a lot older than that, but I wanted. So I, I've got a sk- selection of characters who h- helped me do that, and and having them each of my characters has a direct contact point to the next person in the chain, which helps on a couple of measures. But one to your point is that it does show this, how, how interconnected our different stories actually are. Um, it also helps understand. It also helps us understand the timing because it's a chain of protagonists over 200 years. You know, most of us find it quite difficult to conceptualise what, say, 40 or 80 or 120 or 200 years ago actually means. But once you've experienced that through the lives of these characters that I introduce you to in their youth, and then slowly um, phase them out as they as they die, you, one gets. I believe one, it helps one get a, a real feel for how long or how short the story actually was. You know, the, the drama that's unfolded um, in our land has really taken place in a, in a very short space of time and uh, to try and help people to get their heads around that. But, yeah, so, I mean, my idea was, to, you know, telling it through characters was, it opened up the human side to my story. And, and so my, my primary reason for telling it through human beings was um when we study history in an academic environment, or certainly most of us at high school, you know, we we're studying it, we're trying to learn facts, and we're trying to um, regurgitate those facts to get as many marks as we can to get the highest mark as possible for school um and What I found you know looking back at my own studying of history at school level was that we didn't really focus enough on the biases the inherent biases that we that we carry as human beings, the way that we look at the world, the way our cultures um, give us a set of lenses through which to look at the world, and telling it through um, different human beings from different sides of the South African story. Uh, whilst emphasizing their biases, to me, it helps sort of penny drop. Um, you know, suddenly to me, the South African story, which is a very complex one, um, becomes a little bit easier to understand once you've incorporated the biases into, into really quite a mainstream South African history story.
0: We're speaking to Michael Charton today of Inherit South Africa. we take a short break. We'll be back just after this. This is the new blue review with Benji Shulman. You're listening to 101.9 FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. We're talking to Michael Charton today of Inherit South Africa, a man who is trying to retell the story of South Africa in a new and interesting way. Michael, one of the things which you have to kind of deal with if you're going to deal with South African history is obviously the role that race and racism has played in the creation of our country. And one of the things that I found really interesting about how you approached it is that the sort of typical four race theory of South Africa—you know, there were whites, coloureds, Indians, uh, and black people—and and, and and this was the matrix between how everyone sort of fought or got along. You you dispense with that in your in your approach, and you actually widen out what it means to be South African beyond those four four categories. How did you come up with, with that approach? Because I think it's a useful way of of understanding South African history.
1: Yeah, my my I guess the way I look at the world is um and, and what history teaches us is that we we are just but human beings and um so my instinct as a historian then would be to know that South African or human beings behave in, in certain ways um in certain situations given the environment that they're presented with, and you know bearing in mind that you know our DNA is not different um you know one could understand that we would behave in certain ways, and so when I am telling the South African story. Um, you know, that's always very much the forefront, you know, what were the, what were those things which were standing in front of each group of people, which was, um, encouraging them to behave in a particular way or make certain decisions. Uh, and so for me, race was, is race itself is, is obviously not a big part of the, is not a part of the story at all. It's, you know, it's the cultural, um, value systems that we, that we were born into and, um, you know that combined with the set of circumstances that we are presented with, and you know A plus B makes us behave as human beings in, in a particular way. We, we we don't really deviate too much from that. Well, certainly history tells us that.
0: Yeah, and and you you, you kind of play that uh, throughout the throughout the, the show, really. Uh, I, I once heard someone say that you can identify uh, someone in South Africa from the point at which they feel like they were a South African. Right. So are you South African? from 1994 or is it from 1913 or is it from 18 you know 1652 or whatever it is and and that's another way that you've used to actually engage people is like certain key dates and certain key moments that people then come to identify themselves as being part of this country
1: yeah and and i think you know south africa obviously carries with it a tremendous amount of trauma and um you know parts of our histories. We're proud of part of them. We are, you know, really quite appalled at. Um, but like many things in life, even when you look at back at our own lives, uh, the things that we are proud of, the things that we are, we are embarrassed about, um, it's what makes us who we are. Uh, and we know, we, we know those parts of ourselves. And, and as a nation, we, we're not different in that regard. You know, all these things which are both positive and negative pull together to pull us a passion. You know, I use that quote towards the beginning of my story, um, from Alan Payton, which, uh, which the sentiment of which is along the lines of only when we learn the hates and fears of our country does our love for this land really become deep and passionate? Um, you know this is not a story trying to promote um, unicorns and rainbows it 's actually I, I believe quite a difficult story to listen to, regardless of which side of the story you come from, um, but to me, that is where the real power is in, in acknowledging uh, the past that we that we have had and instead of trying to sweep it under the carpet and trying to embrace the old rainbow nation concept it's about looking back and staring it in the eyes uh, and through that acknowledging you know to your point earlier that we are connected through these moments of trauma in our country
0: yeah i I, I hear that um I, I, what I what I'd also want to like to ask is um, is a, is around this idea of history you know I think history is used as a weapon these days and and one of your contentions in the in in the show is that you you can't Actually, take one strand of our history and, and understand our country, and, and I think we hear a lot of this about uh, ideas around racism or colonialism or the liberation struggle or apartheid, and and what you've tried very hard to do is is integrate them to give a, a full view, and and that I think is the most powerful part of of the healing aspect because you if if we can only understand one part of it you can't you actually just can't come to grips with
1: it at all. I believe South Africa's most troublesome times um, are associated with moments when we look at our history in an oversimplified manner, um, in whatever way that might be. Uh, That is to say, our our history has, for whatever reason, and probably this is not a South African problem specifically, but it's generally been owned by politicians. And politicians, in in a sense, own the narrative, but... um, it's probably not the best people to be holding onto that. In that, in, in that, politicians are inherently not objective because their narrative needs to filter back into a set of ideals which fits their political narrative. Um, and so, I, I think what we do see in, in in the press and in the narrative is an oversimplified version of the South African story, um, not necessarily from you know from various different sides of the story. But you know, I I believe it's our duty as as South Africans to make an effort to understand the story better, um to to and through that I guess just empower um politicians from owning the story. You know, this is a very very complicated story, and to take a simplified view, whatever view that might be, is doing an injustice to the South African peoples. And and through that, often it's a divisive. It's divisive. Um and yeah, to your point earlier, I think when we do look at this from a from a broad perspective, from, from a number of different biases playing off against one another. It's amazing how the story seems to have a slightly more unifying, um, uh, element to it.
0: Now you haven't gone out on a, a major marketing campaign. You've done a lot of your talking to audiences, to, to crowds. Is, is that deliberately part of how you want to address this? Because you can kind of only do this work one person at a time or one group at a time and try and take
1: them through the story. Yeah, look, I think the story works best with audiences between 100 and 200. Um, you know, I've done it from anyone, anywhere between eight and, and a thousand. But, um, yeah, you know, I like that the intimate size audience. I believe in the power of storytelling as opposed to, say, reading. You know, reading has got its own real powers, but, um, storytelling is, is a genre, not, it's not a very common one. And, and I think people are, um, surprised at the experience that they get when they come to one of my stories. But yeah, so I don't market it. Initially, I didn't market it because I couldn't. Um, you know, when I tried to explain to people around the dinner table what I did, um, I, I got a lot of brave looks about, oh, that sounds, sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I, you know, I, I realized that trying to explain to people what I was trying to do was, was actually very difficult. And con- conversely, when someone had seen the story, often I, I, I received great enthusiasm. So what I realized was to, instead of trying to market it, um, using posters, or any other sort of advertising means. The way I advertised it was to, to start doing, um, public shows and, um, which, you know, most people who speak in corporate environments for the most part, which, which is what I do, um, don't have public shows. And, um, so that started as one or two just to try and get the word out and, and those proved to be successful. So I've continued to do those primarily in Cape Town and Johannesburg monthly. And, um, which is one of them, one of the ones that you attended, but, um, so that's the only marketing that I do. Um, and also we, you know, instinctively, it's just, you know, my, mine, we're a two person company and, um, from the early days, we, we wanted our, the, the feel of our company, the culture of it to, to merit, to mirror our personal approach to life and, and, you know, ours is to try and, um, do, do interesting things, do the best we possibly can, but, um, to let other people talk about it rather than ourselves. And what has been the reaction to the show? Yeah. When I wrote it, I mean, I guess the best way to answer that is to start by thinking what I thought people w- would react. And, and the answer to that was, I wasn't sure, but I, something deep down inside led me to believe that there might be a nice interest in this story. I, I just knew that my own growth in learning about the South African story had been quite tangible. And so I sort of had this deep down belief that it might, it might take off. But, um, that said, you know, the, 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 the feedback and the response to the story has been far greater than I could have imagined. And yeah, so I mean, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm hugely excited about the way South Africans have responded and excited in that it opens up the door for me to, to write more stuff. And, you know, it was, I always thought to myself, there's a really good chance that I write the story. And then, you know, a year later, I'm back in the corporate world. Um so, you know, I'm hugely excited about the fact that this has opened me, opened up opportunities for me to write more. Um, my, my, father's coat, I've now told, um, about 300 times, 300 performances and my pipeline is still looking very solid. So it's a story which South Africans have responded well to. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to in, in due course to find other, Channels, other mediums through which to tell it. Um, specifically, I, I definitely am looking at a production in the next, you know, in the next couple of years.
0: So, if people want to see, um, want to see the story, or indeed, you have a, a another amazing one which we haven't even touched on about uh, rugby and the, the Springboks and uh, uh, the, the All Blacks, which I, I think a lot of people would would really appreciate i mean people want to see this they want to understand it uh i had to book six months in advance to get uh to your to your show so how can people to come and see (laughs) it
1: um yeah because i mean i I guess sort of commercially speaking for a moment i my my main market is corporate so um i don't i obviously don't want to oversupply the the public market because it, it, it dilutes my my private functions. so most of my work is private functions um anything from you know corporate transformation events um conferences, family birthdays you know those those are what I do and then um yeah, on the public shows thats that is the best way to um to see it um I try and look after my people who've seen it before, so if someone has seen it and then you know wants to recommend people I, I keep some tickets aside because I don't want people to wait six months twice, so I do always make a point of keeping tickets aside, and for those people who have seen it. Uh, and they want, um, a little in to, 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 um, see it not have to wait the full six months again. Then, um, yeah, I'm always happy to try and make, do whatever I can to make that happen.
0: So if people want to book or they want to have a look, uh, what's your website or your Facebook or?
1: Oh, so, so my, look, if you Google my father's coat, I sell it, we sell the tickets through web tickets. Um, Look, we, we those evenings we take we, we take great pride in we, we, we want it to feel a little bit different to to most shows out we, we use the Nassau Theater in Cape Town and, and the Military History Museum in, in Saxon World in Johannesburg. And um so those tickets include um, you know, solid quality wine, beer, um and snacks. And so we wanted to feel very, you know, very relaxed, very intimate where it's an environment where people interact with each other. And those tickets, as I said, I sell through web tickets. And the easiest way is to, is to Google my father's Coat" web tickets or even my father's Coat." I think one of the first links is web tickets.
0: Great, and uh, definitely have a look at some of the videos as well, which are online, uh, and have some fascinating stuff, uh, which is uh, you can check out at Inherit South Africa. Michael, thank you so much for being with us on
1: Khaifem, and keep up the good work on teaching South Africans their own history. Thanks very much, Benji. It's been a great pleasure.